I don't want anybody to be intimidated though, because once you've got this stuff set up, you set it and you forget it, right? So you face that initial learning curve, but after that, it's easy mode, you know what I mean? It's, it's basically all automated. That's how I'm able to take on so much. Before starting his e-commerce business, Ryan Hogue worked two jobs to earn a six-figure salary. Now he's scaled his print-on-demand business to seven figures of passive income. In other words, he's working less and earning more. The dream for many entrepreneurs. I'm host Alex Freeman, and on today's episode, I'm talking to Ryan about how to grow a passive income with an e-commerce print-on-demand business. He'll share his insights on every step of the process, from how to start a successful online business to the automation tools he uses and how to make a passive income scalable. Let's talk to Ryan. Ryan, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, Alex. I'm happy to be here. Can you just start us off by sharing a bit about yourself and how you started your print-on-demand business? Absolutely. So in uh, late 2016, I was making you know good money by most people's standards, working a nine-to-five as a senior front-end web developer at a local uh, company that really uh, worked a lot with nonprofits. So it was rewarding work. In addition to that, I taught three classes each semester at a local university, all web development focused. So I was milking web development for what it's worth, but ultimately realized I needed passive income to kind of make my goals, my dreams really a reality. This led me to pursuing Amazon FBA. And I ultimately ended up hiring a coach for FBA to make sure I saw it through to the finish line. Cause it's not, it's not easy. You know, it's a big learning curve up front. Somewhere along the way of launching my first FBA product, I realized I could also sell print-on-demand products on Amazon. And what was cool about print-on-demand is that the overhead costs are actually extremely low. And depending on how you go about doing it, they can be as low as $0. So that's obviously very attractive to to anybody, me included. And I ended up doing an Amazon print-on-demand business, like launching it at the same time I launched my Amazon FBA business. For you, what were those total startup costs and what were the, the big expenses? My initial startup cost for my print-on-demand business on Amazon was actually $0. I found out about a program that Amazon has called Amazon Merch On Demand. And uh, back in the day when I started, it was actually called Merch by Amazon. But in 2022, they have pivoted and changed the name to Amazon Merch On Demand. So you can actually Google that and you'll find the, uh, the landing page. And it's a it's kind of a, a pared down way of selling on Amazon, especially anybody who's ever sold on Amazon Seller Central. They'll know what I'm talking about because Seller Central is a unique beast with a lot of moving parts. Amazon Merch On Demand gives you a very like simplified way of listing print-on-demand products. You know, T-shirts are the best seller on the Amazon catalog, and there is no fees, no credit card, no nothing. If you make a sale, they will fulfill it for you. They ship it to your customer. They handle customer service, and you get paid out a royalty for your sales once a month. Wow. I mean, that that feels so, so simple and turnkey. What are the, some of those kind of like initial complications that somebody might run into um, if, they, if they hear that and they go, okay, great, I'm Googling it right now? Yeah, great question. The first thing you're going to run into is you can't sign up and get started right away. There is an application process. And nobody knows for sure what it takes to get accepted into Amazon Merch. I'm just going to call it Amazon Merch for short. Uh, Nobody knows exactly what it takes to get accepted. But generally speaking, when you apply, my best advice would be to answer all the questions. Even if you have to fib a little, you know, and kind of stretch the truth, um, it's okay when you have a write-in to say, yes, I'm an experienced uh, graphic designer that's been selling t-shirts online for years, you know, because... What I'm extremely confident in sharing is that no human is on the other side of these applications reading them. 
because of the sheer volume that they um, receive when it comes to these applications. So I think it never hurts to kind of just project that you are a successful print on demand seller. And um, if you if you don't get accepted, like I wasn't accepted on my first attempt, uh, you can reapply. Okay, but you might need to start a new Amazon account, which I think you can just make one for free. Um, You'll just need a new email address and I believe a uh, different phone number. Which you can also get for free uh, connected to your your Google address via Google Voice if you want to. Absolutely. <laughs> so then, so then that kind of brings us to some of the questions here of like, you know, uh, what's your average monthly revenue today, and what are those what are those profit margins? You know, is, if with the royalty payout, is everything just kind of profit, or what what are those day to day expenses? Yes, uh, great question again. And my I pulled up my numbers for uh, July 2022, just to give you like a recent example. And actually what's cool, I didn't mention this, but you can list products on not only amazon.com, which is the US market, but also six additional platforms, uh, six additional marketplaces. So when I push a product to Amazon Merch, not only am I listing it on uh, amazon.com, but there's also the UK market, German market, uh, France, Italy, Spain, and the most recent addition, uh, Japan. So you got an international print-on-demand business. And Last month, I did about thirty-two dollars to $33,000 in revenue on Amazon Merch. And my profit was around uh, $6,700, $6, because I don't have the exact currency conversions in front of me right now, mm-hmm. but um, it's, it's right in that range. And oh wow. yeah, I should answer. You might be asking about, or someone's thinking, well, did you spend any money on ads? And my ad spend last month was less than $150. Wow, those are incredible numbers on a $150 ad spend. Yeah. Well, it's, it's you don't need just ads to generate sales too for what it's worth like uh I, I took kind of the easy way when it came to running the ads and I just set really low bid auto campaigns where I kind of let Amazon try to guess what keywords each listing should be advertised on, but I I set like really low bids to try to, you know, keep my expenses low and profits high. But there's I I'm in Facebook groups with, you know, people that are spending thousands and thousands of dollars a month, but they're they're doing really well as well with the bottom line numbers. It's just more active income that way. How long did it take you to reach the seven-figure sales milestone? And what was the main driver of that revenue growth? Roughly, uh, I did it inside of two years. And I didn't actually have access to running ads back then. So it was really just being consistent, you know, like not ever forgetting about that. You know, some people, they start and then they stop. Then they might pick it up a year later. Uh, I was always consistent. You know, I always like to say, like, I would brag to my friends that I made two t-shirt sales yesterday and made $4 profit. And they'd be like laughing, like, oh, $4, you know. But for me, I knew that if I could make $4 passively, that I could make $8. And as soon as I make $8, I'm going to make 16 And 16 is going to go to 32 And, uh, you know, I've just been consistent. What's really cool about Amazon Merch is they will reward you as you are successful on the platform. So when you first start, you can only list 10 products. Let's just say 10 t-shirts. But when you make seven or eight sales, uh, it's not it's not set in stone, but it's roughly, you know, six, seven, eight sales. Then they'll say, okay, instead of 10 shirts, you can list 25. And after 25, it goes to 100. And so it's kind of this tiered system. And so what I did was I was just consistent. I, I kind of rose up the ranks uh, as we went. And also I was very um, fortunate, but also kind of alert to trends and with trends, um, you know, obviously that just means, you know, you might see like an impulse in sales that won't last. And so I got out ahead of, um, you know, ahead of the masses when it came to a few trends uh, inside of my first year, actually. So I got very addicted to the whole process because I hit multiple big trends inside of my first like nine months on the platform and netted me, you know, thousands of dollars in profit and uh, even more in revenue. And so how many different revenue streams are you working with with currently? Outside of Amazon Merch, which is really what I've kind of scoped everything to, 
thus far. Um, quite a few, quite a few. <laughs> What's cool is uh, my current approach to making passive income with print on demand involves um, almost completely like a completely automated approach, virtually every aspect of the business. And when I say automated, I don't mean that I hired a virtual assistant. I don't actually have any virtual assistants for any of my businesses. I do everything myself. You know, I was a web developer, so I'm pretty familiar with technology. And I even worked with a friend on launching a Chrome extension, just one, you know, one revenue stream that we license out to people. And with this Chrome extension, it hooks into websites like Canva. If you've ever heard of that, like very user-friendly graphic design um, platform that you can use to design t-shirts. It hooks into um, photopia.com, which is like a Photoshop ripoff. Honestly, it's like they cloned Photoshop and put it in a web browser. And this Chrome extension can like help you automate the design process. So I, you can make a design that says like world's okayest doctor. And then you can set up the Chrome extension to swap the word doctor for teacher and then lawyer and then something else, you know, and it'll download them for you. And so, yeah. And then what I guess to elaborate just a little bit more, I also take these designs. I don't just upload them to Amazon merch. I also upload them to places like eBay, to Etsy. If I wanted to, I could launch a Shopify store. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll list them on Amazon Seller Central, which is actually different than the Amazon merch listings, right? They actually, so I, I can double my coverage on the Amazon catalog. So there's a lot of ways to monetize this. And so with that kind of, uh, that broad focus that you you have developed, um, if somebody's a first time entrepreneur diving into the online space, would you recommend starting with a tight focus or start a, sort of building those multiple revenue streams right from the beginning? Yeah, I would definitely recommend starting with Amazon Merch if you had one choice. I think many people are subject to you know paralysis by overanalysis, and that that can potentially threaten your entire business, right? So I don't want anybody to get stuck because they bit off more than they can chew. I'd highly recommend starting with just one thing. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, the best thing you can do is go to um, merch.amazon.com and just click apply. It takes like five minutes to apply and you may not hear back for a month. It's, it's random. You may hear back tomorrow. You may hear back in a month. Uh, typically, everybody hears back at the same time that, that recently applied. And like I was mentioning earlier, like Amazon Merch, they kind of gamify things where you, you only get 10 uploads initially and you can only upload one product a day. So if you're lucky enough to be accepted, all you need to do is create that first design, which by the way, I'd recommend keeping it simple, text only. Why not just do a, a simple text design and then go ahead and upload it to a standard t-shirt and you provide the brand, the title, the bullets are optional, the description is optional and it doesn't get indexed. So you can skip the description and submit it and see what happens, you know, and just as you gradually go through it, take on a little bit more, you know, and, and dig a little bit deeper, you know, learn about niche research, uh, improve your design skills. There's obviously a lot you can do with it than I just described, but I think for beginners, it's a great place to start. And then when you're ready, you can pivot to Etsy, right? So you can do Amazon Merch and then you can do Etsy. And every time you make a design, just post it to both places. That's where I would uh, recommend starting. So outside of the online print-on-demand type business, is that the best niche for passive income? Or are there others or maybe underrepresented ones that aspiring entrepreneurs should consider? Yeah, another great question. Um, there's just, man, so many interesting ways to make money online these days. Uh, I can, you know, speak to what I, I, I am successful with, but there's also, you know, just so many ways that I don't even attempt that I know uh, work for people. For instance, if we just wanted to hone in on the print on demand side of things, like when you make a design to sell on a t-shirt, you know, you can list that t-shirt for sale on the major e-commerce marketplaces like we just covered, you know, Amazon, Etsy, eBay. There's a platform called Redbubble, very easy to sign up. You can get started today and, you know, reach out to an international audience and get paid royalties. Um, so those are great options, but you can also take that same design, the design file, you can list it on Etsy for sale as a digital download, you know, so there, that's another income stream right there. And um, it's passive. Like you literally, when you create the listing, you upload the file. And if someone buys it, Etsy just automatically delivers it to them and you just get paid out. So uh, it's just so many ways to make money. You can take that same design file. You can list it on 
other marketplaces that you know are basically created to allow people to purchase and sell uh, digital design files. For instance, there's one called Creative. Uh, I think it's called Creative Markets, um, and people would essentially use it through the front door called Creative Fabrica. It's a big popular option for graphic designs. But beyond the scope of that, I mean, something that's really been nice for me that I had no ambition of doing when I initially started off on my e-commerce journey is just talking about it on YouTube. <laughs> you know, I mean, beyond YouTube, like rip your audio from the videos, make a podcast, just like the one we're on here. Um, just anything you can do, just put it out there, be consistent. And when you get started, don't feel like you have to be a instantly, you know, super professional, kind of gradually increase your setup, right? Like I, I have a expensive microphone now, like a $600 microphone. When I got started, I used um, the Yeti, you know, the Yeti snowball, which is like 80 bucks, you know, and just kind of, if you're successful and you like it, keep, keep showing up and um, see, see where it takes you. And beyond that too, I mean, there's definitely complementary ways of making money online that don't require being in front of a camera. If YouTube's not your thing. Um, when I got my start, like I said, Amazon FBA, I still, to this day, am doing FBA over five years later. I'm still doing Amazon merch over five years later. I took that Amazon merch and I said, oh, I can list these for sale on Amazon seller central. So I do that. I list them on Etsy. I list them on other marketplaces. There's a program called Amazon KDP, not to expand the scope too much of what we're talking about, but you can sell print on demand books. So there's just so many complementary methods to making passive income online. And trust me, I could talk all day about this stuff. So let's let's kind of look at the the print on demand business and th- through many of the answers you've given so far we've talked about some of these steps but I'm just curious if you could give us a brief step-by-step process of getting up and running with a print on demand business. Sure. So each avenue, really each marketplace I think is a nice way of of uh, framing it has its own kind of startup. The easiest potential way to start a print-on-demand business officially is to go to redbubble.com, which is an Australian company, but they do really well in the US markets as well as international markets. You can sign up for free today and you can list your first product for sale today and you can make your first sale today. And if it gets, you know, if you make that sale, they'll pay you a royalty next month. Redbubble, you know, they handle the fulfillment, they handle the customer service, similar to how I described with Amazon Merch. So it's completely free. You don't have to put a credit card down. You just get paid a royalty when you make sales. Those are by far the easiest. If you want to sell on Etsy or Amazon Seller Central, you know, two huge, you know, options and favorites of mine, uh, you're going to want to integrate with production partners is what we call them. These are companies that they have the big warehouses. They have the infrastructure within those warehouses to print and fulfill not only t-shirts, but you know, coffee mugs, <laughs> just anything, backpacks, stickers, just all types of products, right? And so they won't handle necessarily customer service for you, but they will handle creating the product and shipping it out. And what's cool is they've got the software that they've built out themselves to both integrate with the specific platforms. So I keep coming back to Amazon and Etsy. There's obviously alternatives like, but I think if you could just cover Amazon and Etsy and focus on those, those are huge, huge marketplaces that are growing year over year. And if you can establish yourself there, I think you'll do um, really well. So now we're opening the can of worms, kind of going down these rabbit holes where we have multiple moving pieces. I don't want anybody to be intimidated though, because once you've got this stuff set up, you set it and you forget it, right? So you face that initial learning curve, but after that, it's easy mode. You know what I mean? It's, it's basically all automated. That's how I'm able to take on so much. And for our listeners out there that want more about building a screen printing business or a print-on-demand business, uh, we've got a great video on our YouTube channel called Secrets of a Seven-Figure Screen Printing Business. Make sure you check that out as well for more on getting into this merchandise space. So Ryan, what was your biggest challenge that you faced when you first started your business and how did you overcome it? Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. Honestly, it was just actually starting. Like I I made the decision that 
active income, like trading my time for money, you know, making good money. You know what I mean? A six-figure salary as a web developer. And then I had the, the teaching job on top of that. And on top of that, I had my own freelance uh, web development business just because, I mean, it was so, it was just such a logical complementary way of monetizing my specialty, right? As a web developer. But it wasn't for me in the sense that I didn't want to be tethered to, I didn't want to have to be tethered to a computer showing up at a specific time of day, leaving at a specific time of day, all those things. And, and the, you know, the freelance business wasn't, it was just too active. It wasn't passive at all. For me, it was just figuring out how to succeed right out of the gate. Like what was the first step? What was the step number one, literally, which for me was for my Amazon FBA business. And I spent months just clicking around Google, Amazon, trying to, trying to really understand like what it was that I needed to do. And uh, ultimately I, I didn't succeed, but I was very fortunate to cross paths with a um, Amazon coach. I mean, Amazon seller, Amazon coach uh, in real life, you know, at a friend's kind of business dinner or business breakfast, really, it was pretty early in the morning and uh, ultimately hired him and that, that got me started. So I'm not ashamed to say that like I paid money to, uh, to get, you know, the, the guidance I needed to, to be successful. And I mean, I paid $2,500 and I've sold millions of dollars on Amazon. So it's easy, easy investment. Do you do all the design work for your products yourself? You know, I did initially. I used to go to, you know, I used to go to my nine to five job and be at a computer all day. So when I wasn't doing like web development, like writing code, uh, I'd be working on my print on demand business. And so I, I really like worked on my graphic design abilities today though. Uh, I don't really spend time on that stuff because there are websites, a couple that I really like. I, there's three main ones that I use. There's one called all sunsets. There's one called creative fabrica and there's one called vexels. You don't need all three, but um, you know I've been doing it for a while, so I like having options. And you can either just go, and in some cases, you can just use the designs that are there pre-made by professionals, and you can just use them as is. Um, what I typically do is I'll take them and pick out pieces of the design that I like, and then customize other elements, whether it's just changing the color scheme, or oftentimes I'll add pieces of text. And like I said too, I like to automate the design process in that, you know, if I, if I can, I want to, you know, take a, a graphic and make it, so make it into multiple designs, you know, like uh, if, if it's like a, a nursing picture, maybe I'll add text above and text below, run the Chrome extension and upload a list of like CSV text optimized for the nursing niche. And it'll just automatically swap the text in and out and then download the design for me. And then later on, I feed those designs into an upload automation application. I actually have a couple that I use, but you know, for instance, like right now we're on this call, but I'm, upload I'm uploading, you know, a couple hundred designs to Amazon Merch, like as we speak. So you talk about like the, the optimized for the, the nursing niche. Where are you doing that like keyword research to determine what words should be going into the, the text on these shirts? Yes, there's, that's a great question. So you can just go straight to Amazon and just type in nursing t-shirt and just kind of scan and scroll through. Um, one of my first big wins as a uh, t-shirt seller was just on Reddit, man, on reddit.com. <laughs> somebody had a thread one day that hit the front page. Like what was the funniest t-shirt you ever saw somebody wear? Something like that. And I remember that day, like I went, I don't know why I was looking at Reddit before I was at work, but um, I remember I went to work like two hours late. You know, I just said, screw it. I'm just going to go in late. Um, cause this is too valuable. And I, I made a little spreadsheet and I just sat there at my computer for like three hours in the morning and just wrote down all the t-shirt ideas. And I just worked off that for like the first, you know, three, four months that I was on, um, just that I was building my print on demand business, just worked off those ideas. So yeah, you can go straight to Amazon though. If you know, if you're not lucky like me and you don't find like a Reddit thread where people are just volunteering great ideas, you can go straight to amazon.com. You can go to Etsy. You can go, um, you can go to like graphic design websites. Actually, someone I follow on Twitter was recommending, you know, Hey, everybody's looking at Amazon. Why don't you pivot and go look at like dribble or behance, you know, two like big graphic design websites and kind of see what's popular over there. But you know, ultimately I do like to, like, if I'm, 
kind of coaching somebody who's new, I want to recommend, generally speaking, being in the markets that people are actively making purchases in. So if it's, you know, if it's the end of June, you know, what comes in early July, July 4th. So that's a great time if it's the end of June to be preparing for July 4th. That way you can get these, you know, instantaneous, like immediate sales in the near future uh, as you kind of grow and scale your business. Because what I worry about is people that don't get some instant gratification. Many people, not to make generalizations, but like sometimes people, um, they don't get the instant gratification. They're on to the next thing, chasing shiny objects. Print on demand is definitely like a consistent, passive, long-term business. So for me personally, I've been at this for a while. I don't chase trends that often. For me, I'm, I'm typically just uploading evergreen designs that can make two sales tomorrow or one sale in the next year. But either way, I just am hoping to capture at least one sale because I, I'm kind of going with this volume approach that's been afforded to me. You know, cert- certain platforms, they don't care how many you upload. Most have upload limitations. But for instance, like I said, Amazon Merch, you get started, you can only list 10 products. I'm at a point now having been selling there successfully for years that I can upload up to 200,000, you know, so I have a big edge over someone who's just getting started. So, I mean, I think, you know, 200,000 is a great demonstration of, of the scale that you've been able to, to reach. Um, what makes an online business scalable and how do you set up the business for fast growth? Yeah. The answer to that question in my mind is just kind of the limitations you impose on yourself. You know, there are shortcuts, right? Like if you sit there and you want to make like really complex graphics for all of your designs each day, then it's a function of how long it takes you to make them, right? Someone who's a um, professional graphic designer is going to make them much quicker than someone like me who's a a developer, right? I'm slow. So I work within those confines, you know? I'm willing to spend money on professional design assets that I know I can work into designs or design templates uh, that I can, you know, ultimately make sales with. It, It really comes down to, I guess, how much time you have to dedicate to your business. And within that, like, all the steps required to create a product listing. Because if you don't publish a product listing that's available for sale on whatever marketplace you're selling on, you can't make money. You know what I mean? If you have zero products for sale, I can already guarantee you, you're going to make zero dollars. If you have one product for sale, well, sky's the limit ultimately, you know, but then it comes into like, how realistic is it to make, you know, a million dollars off that listing, right? Like if you're in a big trend, maybe, but most likely it's not going to happen. So then you maybe need to make two listings or five listings or 10 listings and you just keep adding to your catalog. Did you make any early mistakes that you might like to offer a way that somebody could avoid that as they get started? Yeah, I think the most common early mistake, and fortunately it didn't cost me my business, is you have to become very used to checking the USPTO, like trademark database, because there are, you know, when you check for trademarks, you basically are going to key in like a word or a phrase. And then you have to look for not only is there a live trademark application or let's say live trademark record, Uh, But then also, is it registered? Because there's kind of two statuses, right? Like you can attempt to trademark something, but then it also has to kind of go through this um, waiting period where people can essentially, like I'm not a lawyer, but they can file an attempt to not allow you to have that. So you see this all the time with whatever like next big thing you see on TV, you know, ultimately people will end up like, like Bitcoin, for instance, people keep trying on that and just never goes through as just an example. But yeah, so then you would um, just need to make a regular case of checking the trademark database for any keywords you want to include in your listing. Because there are on many marketplaces, including Amazon Merch, automated checks against the US patent and trademark database. So if they think they see a match, they will reject your submission, you know, and if you get enough rejections, they can close your account. How passive is your income now? How many hours a week are you spending working on the business? 
Yeah, with regards to print on demand, it's not many at all, you know, and I haven't even given you kind of the full picture in this podcast because uh, I, you know what I mean, we'll be talking for quite some time, uh, but I have just a ton of different automation tools. Like one of them pushes 200 products a day to Amazon Seller Central. So this is independent of Amazon Merch. This is my Seller Central account where I sell my FBA products primarily, but three or four times a year, I'll go in and I'll dedicate maybe six to eight hours just to this one automation tool and I'll queue up the next three months to four months worth of uploads. And it just runs in the background every day. You know, that's just one example. So it's, people are like, Ryan, how do you have 100,000 plus products on Seller Central? And I'm like, honestly, this is how, because I automate the design process using the you know process I told you about earlier with that Chrome extension. By the way, if anybody's wondering what it's called, it's automatepod.com. You can check that out. And I think there's a free version as well. And then you can take those designs, queue them up in these various software applications, and they just kind of work. You know, some of them I have to, you know, queue up manually every day. So that's part of my just morning routine. Start my computer, brush my teeth, sit down, queue up my um, upload automation, push 50 to, depending, it depends on the, the marketplace, but you know, at a minimum, typically it's 50 designs to let's say redbubble.com. Like that's automated, you know, and then I push a couple hundred to Amazon Merch, push another 50 to Spreadshirt, push 50 to Zazzle, push 50 to Public, push 50 to Teespring. There's a bunch of marketplaces and uh, just lots and lots of potential. Like I, I've had this mantra, it's just, occupy as much online real estate as possible. You know, and I believe that if you if you can do that, you don't have to be spammy either, you know what I mean? But if you do this, you're playing within the confines of what's allowed. Uh, you're getting more and more products, not only on these marketplaces that people can buy where you'll be paid a royalty and the, the fulfillment is automated. That's a big part of it because you don't want to be you know shackled to your computer all day, every day. But um, you're also getting indexed by Google, right? <laughs> so that's kind of the game that I play. So then how do you stay organized? How do you manage your workflow? What systems or SOPs do you have for yourself that you operate on on a weekly basis? Yeah, this is one of the things that I think sets me apart from most that attempt to do what I do. Um, Not that other people can't be successful, but you just have to make a point of being extremely diligent about being organized. For me, it's a lot of Google Drive spreadsheets. I'm one of these people that like, I'll keep my desktop clean. And if I need to do something, I put a little like notepad on my desktop that just says whatever the task is. And then I'm like, my brain is like, clean your desktop, clean your desktop, but I can't delete the notepad that has the task until it's completed. You know what I mean? So just little mind games like that. And uh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm beholden to myself really. Like if I don't do something, I'm only letting myself down. So I, and over time too, man, like I've, I've just learned to love what I do. You know, I, I tricked myself to learn to love it because if you talk to me, you know, 10 years ago, I would have just wanted to be like a professional, like computer gamer. You know, that was that was what got me this far it was really just my addiction to computer games. It got me very used to using a mouse and keyboard, being very efficient and proficient using, um, you know, Microsoft Windows, all these little things that people don't think about. But, you know, having a mouse with thumb buttons, having a key like a mechanical keyboard that I can type really quickly on, it all adds up, you know. That's going to bring us to a section of our show that we call our Blitz questions. These questions come from our YouTube community channel. If you're listening out there, you can join the YouTube community, find Upflip on YouTube, join the community, and you can pose questions for future podcast guests. So these quick 10-second answers for these next few questions. Sure. First, uh, IQ7 Valent is asking, uh, the question is actually, do you operate your business remotely or at any on-site location? I'm going to shift that um, and say, how mobile is your business operation? Extremely mobile for sure, but I am a stickler for having my desktop and, you know, four monitors. Uh, but I mean, back in the day, I used to remote into my desktop from work and using a Google remote desktop and I would still operate my business that way. Edgar Allen Chia is asking, how did you transition from your nine to five 
job to your print-on-demand business? So I used to just honestly build the business while I had the nine to five and the second job. It was just like I'd get home, uh, take a shower, eat, and not cook for myself, by the way. There's not enough time in the day. And then just immediately get cranking away on these businesses. Fortunately, with the with the passive aspect, uh, I was able to scale it up. But you know, yeah, sometimes I have to give up sleep to, to, to work on the business, but it was worth it in the end. Daniel's asking, can a non-tech savvy person start a print-on-demand business? Absolutely. Again, if you're not tech savvy, don't bite off more than you can chew. Amazon Merch is a great starting point because very um, refined. Like you can't, there's, you can't, it's not complicated. I don't know if they did it intentionally, but you can't make it complicated. It's very simplified and it's gamified. So it scales with time. It's a great place to start. Leo Mika is asking, uh, how can you do marketing with a small budget, which I, you can definitely speak to, as you mentioned, you spent $150 on advertising. Yeah. I mean, even without any advertising, because you won't have access to ads when you first start uh, Amazon merch, for instance, just remember you're following the customers to the number one e-commerce marketplace in the world on Amazon. So you know, sometimes just keep it simple. And then also if you kind of understand Google SEO, Amazon's a very authoritative domain. So you will get priority placement with your product listings on Google. So whether customers go directly to Google and search or they go directly to Amazon and search, uh, you've got a chance with no marketing budget. Once you left your nine to five job, was there ever a point when you thought of going back? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> yeah, right. Finally, in the Blitz questions, um, if you could have anyone in this world endorse your business, who would it be and why? Uh, Elon Musk easily because, man, everything he touches turns to gold on Twitter. I mean, just a single tweet or even a reply would be amazing just for the uh, exposure. That is going to do it for our Blitz questions. Uh, again, those are from our YouTube community. Go find Upflip on YouTube. Join the community and pose your questions for future guests. Ryan, just a few more questions from me here. What were your most productive strategies to build brand awareness when you first started? Uh, I think this is more a simple answer for me because I'm just like, I'm so focused on my bottom line. Like I don't want to, I have, I talk to tons of people, by the way, because I'm on YouTube and uh, it's been amazing to network with so many other entrepreneurs and many people, their style is to hire, you know, to spend money on VAs or expensive software. And I'm willing to try expensive software. Working with VAs doesn't work for me, but I mean, it hasn't in the past. I don't want to say never, but you know, I'm very, I like to do it myself. But I just am very mindful of that bottom line. You know, I want to make profit, not just make revenue, but make profit. So for me, keeping it simple, selling on the biggest e-commerce marketplaces, you know, just following rules of like optimizing for SEO when you create product listings, even if they're not advertised, you know, I always say assist the algorithms in understanding what it is you're selling. Because once you start making sales, they know what you're selling, right? But if they don't have any sales, all they have to go off of is the keywords you provide. And, you know, I think my prior work experience as a web developer really helped. Have there been any major changes in the print-on-demand industry um, or, or e-commerce in general since you started? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think with regards to print-on-demand, for instance, something that I no one could have seen it coming, right? But for instance, like in March 2020, when the kind of COVID peak hysteria was happening, some of these print-on-demand companies were very quick to add customizable face masks. And I'm not going to lie to you, I completely missed the boat on this, but there were people that made just boatloads of money being really quick to pivot. Maybe they're a t-shirt seller or a coffee mug seller, you know, two of the best selling products. And they said, you know what? Nope, I'm going all in on masks now. People made boatloads of money by just being early. So what that really opened my mind up to was just the potential for that to happen again, not necessarily with face masks, but with another product. Um, and then FBA also definitely, uh, anybody who sells FBA, man, like keeping up with Amazon and their changes. And specifically, again, like with COVID, they, they really restricted my ability to send inventory in. 
So I had to make some tough decisions of like cutting products loose, you know, and just recently, man, I've, my numbers have been going, going up, you know, cause I've had, I've had the ability to relaunch some of my old products that I had to cut ties with. So that's been good. How do you keep up with those trends? How do you monitor those changes? Are there any like trade organ trade news organizations that you follow or where do you get those updates? You know, what's funny is I think people look to me for a lot of these updates and I'm like, man, how do I do it? Uh, I think a lot of it just has to do with Facebook communities. That's where I get a lot of people in real time making great posts, great content. Uh, I run a couple of Facebook groups myself. And so I'm, I'm very active in those, you know, on a daily basis, I'm accepting new members and whatnot. So I, I, I do get a lot there. And then also, I've, you know, again, just part of being on YouTube, the biggest uh, benefit, honestly, has just been uh, creating a network of people, uh, like-minded people, not just, you know, entrepreneurs who are mega successful, but also people who may be new to the space, who are really excited about it, who will see something before I do. And then they just message me, you know, I'm very accessible on email, Facebook, Discord, you know, I'm here all day. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are people see them on, you know, maybe a talking head on YouTube, but they're not actually there you know, running the business, they've outsourced it all. And like, I'm actually here, like running my business, you know, doing all that. So if you message me, I typically see it and I'll respond. So. So let's talk about some of those, you know, various brand building, marketing, advertising strategies. What are you doing to kind of build, you know, do you have a, a lead funnel that you're building? How does, how does all of that kind of filter into your overall business? When I wanted to make passive income, let's just go back to the beginning. It's like, I, I knew I wanted to be on Amazon because it was just such an emerging market. You know, so much money was being made. So I did what I knew, which was FBA. I didn't know about print on demand. And as soon as I found out about that, which I believe was on a like make money online subreddit community, next thing you know, I'm doing both, right? I'm not the type of person that, <laughs> uh, I have a lot of like self-belief, so I didn't have to choose. I never felt like I had to choose one or the other. I said, you know what? I'm going to do both. So that they're two very complementary income streams in that they're both pretty passive and they intersect on Amazon. So I'm learning more about Amazon, like basically twice as fast as if I was just doing FBA or just doing print on demand. And from there I learned, okay, now I can broaden the net to even more marketplaces and, um, you know, again, occupy more online real estate with products for sale, whether it's the FBA product that I have on Amazon, but let me list it on eBay, you know, and then, oh, this t-shirt's selling really well on Amazon. Let me make sure it's on Etsy as well and eBay, you know, and um, just expanding the coverage, following the customers, prioritizing that. And after, you know, I think I started, you know, I made my first sales in FBA and Amazon merch in early 2017. People love hearing other people's success stories, obviously, right? Like I, I was listening to those as fuel and motivation while I was getting started, you know, before I had my first sale. So in 2019, I launched my YouTube channel, uh, which I never had any ambition to do. I honestly bought a, uh, like a green screen and it sat in my house for almost a full year before I ever used it, you know, but, uh, I ultimately launched a YouTube channel and just kind of told stories and try to be relatable, not trying to like blow people away with big numbers. You know, I actually published um, income reports, monthly income reports all the way back to the very beginning. So like, you're going to see the opposite of something that's impressive. If you go back to my 2017 income reports at the beginning, it's, it's like almost embarrassing. If you just said like, okay, how much time and money did you put in? this much and you made two sales and profited $40. Like that's, that's a joke, you know, but it's obviously you can't lose sight of the long-term business building. So yeah, so I started talking on YouTube. YouTube is great in terms of getting exposure, um, organic exposure. I'm not opposed to spending money, but it, I just didn't feel like it was necessary. YouTube kind of leads them to an email list or a Facebook group. From there, it's, you know, we, we can kind of keep in touch. Facebook groups are great. Discord server. And that's, yeah, I think I'd say that's pretty much sums it up. I got like a private um, community where I, I do do some like coaching and have step-by-step -step courses, but you know, that's just an extra income stream. It's not like even necessary. I do daily content on YouTube for free. So the first thing I tell people that have questions is check out my free YouTube content. You know, and once you get a feel for my 
teaching style. Like if, if you can't piece the puzzle together through the free content, you can consider joining the you know paid community and everything's laid out for you exactly as I do it step by step. Let's let's talk about your YouTube channel because you've got over 100,000 subscribers. So let's start just from some simply what tips do you have as the best way to grow a subscriber base on YouTube? Yeah, what I found is I, I thought I was going to have an Amazon FBA channel, but when I started talking about my print-on-demand business, that I was getting two, three, four times as many views. So then you kind of are faced with the decision, like, do I want to have a channel that nobody watches or that more people watch? So I said, okay, yeah, I want, I want the growth. So I pivoted to doing way more print-on-demand content just because the algorithm was pushing me out. You know, I, I can't attribute it to any one thing. Maybe there just weren't that many people talking about it. So, you know, I just kind of adhered to what the algorithm was rewarding me for. <laughs> it's such a weird way of putting it, right? Because um, it's like independent of whatever the subject matter is. You can kind of just do a little bit of testing here and there. And when you really find something that uh, is working, I would just say double down on it and triple down on it. And that works with YouTube. It works with FBA. I did the same thing with FBA. I did the same thing with print on demand. And then you mentioned, so you've got the YouTube channel, you mentioned a Facebook group, Discord server. What platforms are you utilizing for that side of your business and which ones are most effective for connecting with your audience? Yeah, with regards to, I guess, connecting directly with them, I think the honestly most effective one is is the YouTube comments, even though it's more like it's one-to-one, but everybody can read each other's comments. And that's where I get the most eyeballs on my videos specifically. The Facebook groups are a great place for people to collaborate independent of me, you know? And that's what I love about them is we get, like, that's why I have multiple groups too, because I have an FBA right? For the FBA sellers. I have a group for my Amazon merch specific sellers. I have a group for my KDP specific sellers. And you know, when I first was going about doing this, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like, I don't know if anything's going to come from these, you know, but fortunately with the visibility of the YouTube channel that kind of funnels them into these uh, communities, at some point they do kind of take on a life of their own and I can just kind of chime in uh, whenever I want to and, and, you know, answer questions or just participate in discussions. And sometimes they also give me ideas for content to do on my YouTube channel because I see the discussions that are really popular and I'll just kind of do commentary on, on a new YouTube video. As you're developing this content, how do you decide what is going to get released for free on the YouTube channel and what might go into a paid course? You know, generally speaking, I'm willing to put out almost everything for free on YouTube, but I may not be as slow. You know what I mean? Like when, I, when I'm trying to sell somebody on potentially joining my course behind the paywall, what you get is everything I do. Like every, I always say everything you need in the order you need it exactly as I run my business, you know? So I'm not trying to say, Hey, you'll be successful. I just say, Hey, I am this, I've achieved this level of success. You know, I, I post daily sales updates to my Instagram story, for instance. And I say, this is the success I've, I've achieved. And like, you can see exactly how I did it. And the way I market it is I say, I'll help you start scale and automate your business. Because for me, like I said, I published transparent income reports since the beginning. You're not going to be impressed by them. <laughs> like you, you can literally go check them out on either YouTube, uh, Ryan Hogue passive income or Ryan and a slash income dash reports. And like, you, you will not be impressed, but it's cause I didn't have necessarily like with FBA, I did have somebody and I was actually pretty quick to achieve success that people would actually care about on FBA. But with the other stuff, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have somebody to look to for guidance. I had some fun podcasts I would listen to, but nobody was really giving like kind of the level of detail that's out there now. I'm not saying that I'm the only source. Um, there's plenty of people that have great content. Like I love doing interviews on my channel and just networking. That's why people are able to achieve success much faster. And that's what you'll, you're most likely to do if you were to like join my paid community where it's, it's not just, Hey, do this, Hey, do that. But like, here, let me show you step-by-step, step, you know, in this order. What are some of the must-have skills for an e-commerce business owner, whether it's print on demand or something else in the, in the e-commerce space? And what's the best way for a new entrepreneur to, to gain those skill sets? You know, it's funny is this, I, I always, I always say like, first thing is learn to view the marketplaces that you're selling on as a seller. 
and not as a customer. You know, like hit a switch in your brain. And instead of being the one marketed to, start thinking, hey, the person that is selling this product is doing a really good job of framing it, you know, in the images or, hey, this ad copy is really good, you know, <laughs> like whatever it is, like start, start indexing like what people are doing well in your brain or what's even what's, what's not working is just as important as what is working, you know? So instead of like seeing the marketplaces, cause that's really where the money's made as a customer, just always be thinking of always be attempting to learn, I guess, from what's working. And that's, what's funny is you don't need a course, right? Go to Amazon, and just whatever you you're thinking about selling, just, just type it in, do a keyword search and study what's working. How do you see the industry changing in the next five to 10 years? And what should business owners be doing now to prepare? Uh, I think we've definitely seen a uh, gradual pivot to almost what I described with my own personal evolution, which is not just being a successful entrepreneur in terms of like e-commerce selling, whether it's, you know, physical or digital products, but then also the evolution I think has kind of gone towards teaching others how to do it. You know, Um, I saw a post in one of my Facebook communities recently that said, Hey, you know, every guru's got a, a coaching product and a course people are kind of ragging on them. And, you know, I'm not as plugged in as I used to be, right? Because I'm definitely spread pretty thin, just producing content and kind of trying to be there for people that need, you know, my guidance. And I also, I just try to, I try to do original content on YouTube. So I don't watch that many other YouTubers in my space and their content. So maybe there is a lot of people kind of popping up with trying to monetize, you know, the coaching aspect and whatnot. It's it's good and it's bad. Um, I'm not even sure what the bad part is. I guess people maybe get tired of getting marketed to, but it's good in the sense that, you know, nobody's holding your feet to the fire, making you pay for that exposure or for the access to, to somebody. I always say to a talking head on, a, on YouTube, right? Nobody's p- making you pay for access to them. If they're on YouTube, you know, it's free. But beyond that too, like I was mentioning, like my FBA business grew rapidly because I had somebody that was an expert helping me out from the beginning. My print on demand businesses grew much, much slower because I was figuring it out on my own as I go. So it's, you know, there's, there's, there's multiple ways to get to whatever endpoint you envision, but you know, one way is going to be quicker than the other, most likely. And that's typically having somebody that's been there before show you the way. What's your biggest headache or frustration as a business owner today? (laughs) Probably just like when you sell on Amazon, Etsy, eBay, you know, the big marketplaces like that, really anything that's not your own, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like when we post products on these marketplaces, we are getting our products displayed underneath the Amazon logo, right? So the customers have that, that trust in Amazon, the familiarity, also just the sheer organic traffic, right? That, that we may get exposure to from being there. It's great, but they are quite greedy with the fees they take, you know, from them understanding the value of that, you know, from allowing us to to carve out online real estate on their platform. So it hurts our bottom line to be there. In addition to that, you know, we lose flexibility and we also have to adhere to regulations that are often moving targets. You know, I, I, I don't want to go on too many examples, but like if you sell on Amazon, you've probably, you know, seen one, one example is just like the pesticides thing. You know, if you were selling through Seller Central, you probably had a bunch of products incorrectly flagged as being pesticides or related to pesticides, even if they weren't. What's your, what's your top advice for an entrepreneur who wants to start a print on demand business? Yeah, there's no need to have paralysis by over analysis with print on demand. The startup fee is $0. If you just take my advice and go to Amazon Merch, just start there. Or, you know, if you want to wait while your application is processing, you can also get started on Etsy. And I would recommend using the um, Printful or Printify integration. Both of those companies are production partners. They'll essentially like, it's it's how you outsource fulfillment so that you can focus on scaling your business and instead of like going to the post office and shipping your products out every day. And with that, you do actually have to pay the company to produce and ship the t-shirt, but you're paying them after the sale already took place. So if I sell a t-shirt for 25 bucks and I have to pay Printful, $10 to create it and $4 to ship it. 
well, I've got, you know, $11 of the difference there and I might owe Etsy, you know, $2 from that 11. So now I've pocketed $9. So hopefully you guys get at a high level what we're uh, aiming to do here. Last question for me. What's your favorite business book and why? Oh man, I don't know if I've ever read a business book. I'm big into like audiobooks and whatnot. I guess I, my best uh, answer is probably a podcast, not even a business book. There was one just called Merch Minds. And that really just kind of inspired me to get started with the print on demand side of things because I, I was lacking guidance with regards to print on demand. With FBA, I had my coach, but with uh, Amazon Merch, you know, the, the podcast really helped. And while a lot of it was just kind of like them just having fun, talking about their sales, even if they didn't have any insights to share in an episode, it was just cool to feel like I could relate to somebody doing what I was doing. You know, I think like I'm the type of person and many people can probably relate. If I'm really excited about doing something like launching my e-commerce business in this case, I like to dive in, you know, so I like to go find, you know, one, two, three different podcasts and just be listening to that while I'm mowing the lawn, while I'm exercising, you know, whatever it is, driving to work back in the day. When I, when I was driving to work, I'd be listening to that stuff because that's what I really cared about. Ryan, if our, if our listeners want to learn more about you and from you, uh, where should they go? You can go to ryanhoge.com. So R-Y-A-N-H-O-G-U-E. And the first page you'll see is just to get on my email list. And if you just give me your email, um, you'll get a couple like automated emails from me that explain my complimentary approach to making money online, one email a day. And then it kind of tapers off from there. And I do, I do do a weekly newsletter. So that's a great place to start. And if you hit reply, I see and read everything. So that's definitely a great place. Ryan, thanks again so much for joining us on the show. For our listeners out there, make sure you check out our YouTube channel where we have several interviews on how to start a printing and e-commerce business. Also check out the Upflip blog at upflip.com slash blog for more business tips and strategies. All the links to everything we mentioned in the episode is in the resources section. Ryan, again, thank you so much for all your great insights today. I love what you guys are doing at Upflip and thank you for the opportunity to be here. 